0: You can also check us out online by going to ouravenuechurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Would you guys put your hands together for my spiritual father, Pastor Eddie Couples. Love you, Pastor. Good morning. Um, It's good to be here. Good to be with you guys. And uh, somebody in the first service asked me to give all the dirt I know on Pastor Stephen. And I said, I don't know much on him, but Jennifer might be. I I became Jennifer's pastor when she was four years old. So, and uh, her mom's here today and her sister and brother-in-law's here today. And uh, sorry guys, I know you came to hear Stephen, you got to hear me all over again. Eh? <laughs> Y'all hear me every week and now you get to hear me again. Uh, Matthew ran sound for me for a long time and I'd give him those evil looks that I can give when he, something go wrong in sound. So it's good to be here today. And uh, let me just say this about Pastor Stephen and Jennifer real quick. Um, uh, it would have been easy to have stayed where they were. Um, it was a, a good a good place. I'm I'm not the easiest boss to work for, but I do give raises, right? So, <laughs> he's already said that, and uh, and he and he did. He kept talking. I said, Stephen, at some point, you either got to do this or quit talking about it. And, uh, and they came here, and it's uh, and and right then, COVID happens, right? And it's like, come on, God, you, you, could you not have told us we would have stayed in Jackson for two years? Then we could have come and. Uh, all those kind of things we get to do, but uh, i appreciate them and appreciate their girls and and uh, love love their family and so so proud of them what's happening here at the avenue and um, also just what's going to happen in the future uh, just just get ready because i I went to Jackson when I was the same age that Pastor Stephen was when he came here. And here we are a little bit over 20 years later, and now there's five campuses. And on Easter Sunday, we had 3,600 people in the house. And, and uh, so, you know, it's, it's, that's what's going to happen in Murfreesboro. Great things are getting ready to happen. And here's the deal for that. It's, it's more people going to heaven. More lives are being changed. And that's why we do what we do is to uh, plunder hell and populate heaven, right? And uh, so I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad my wife's with me today, and uh, we've been we've been hanging out together for 43 years. And uh, so I'm glad she's with us. We've got two children. I just let you know all about me. We've got two kids. And uh, Ashley, our oldest, lives in San Francisco with our three grandkids, and we don't get to see them much outside of San Francisco, actually. But her husband works for Apple, so I guess they'll be there till Jesus comes. And. Our sons on staff with us oversees all of our media in, in Jackson, um, and just you know, just so you'll know, I'm <clears throat> I'm an African. <laughs> Why does it always get quiet when I say that? I was born in Africa. My parents missionaries. I lived there till I was seven years of age. So, uh, when I came to America, it was like, "What in the world? What, what are all these white people doing here?" So. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, it's, it's been a, been an interesting journey to see what God has done and, uh, how he's just continued to direct us over the years. I we'll spent 20 uh, years or so in a little town called Adamsville, Tennessee. If you've never been to Adamsville, that's where the, where they're from. You got to want to go there. It doesn't just happen. Hey, you want to go in the word a little bit today? Let's find out what God's speaking to us. Let's pray first. Can can't we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings. I thank you for this day and for all of these people. Lord, you know the need of every person in this room today. And so we just open our hearts to you and we say, Holy Spirit, come. Prepare this place. Prepare our hearts. Let us know what you have for every person today. Speak to us from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you have your Bible or you have it downloaded, you know, on whatever your device is, all right, go to the Old Testament book of 2 Kings. I, I want to just work a story with you today uh, that's in 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, about a prophet named Elisha and how God uses him. Uh, beginning in verse 8, it says, One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal." So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. In other words, she took note of who this was. Let's make a small room on the roof and put a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. And then he can stay uh, there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, Tell her, you have gone through all of this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? And she replied, I have a home among my own people. In other words, she says, I've got everything I need. I really don't need anything. So Elisha says to his servant, what can be done for her? And Gehazi said, she has no son and her husband is old. I'll just let that kind of stay for a minute with you. Don't, don't be religious for a minute. She has no son, and her husband is what? Old. That means there's not going to be a son, right? All right. Come on. Don't, don't be religious this morning. All right. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. I want to talk on this subject today. We sang about it a little bit earlier, and we're going to sing about it at the end, and I want to talk about Turn It Around. Turn It Around. See, it's an interesting story that we read there, and Elisha is a man who's mightily used of God on so many occasions. And what we find here is that in this time, that this woman has realized who he is, and the anointing that is upon his life, and so uh, she goes out of her way to help him. But what you and I need to understand is that God has a sense of humor, and that is that whatever we do, he gives back to us. The Bible says, give and it shall be what? Given, back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And so as she is giving out in this moment, she thinks, I'm just being a good hostess. I'm taking care of somebody. God on the other side says, I'm getting ready to do something for you uh, that you don't even believe for. Now, in all of our lives, if you've been around church very much, and I've preached this and still believe this, and Pastor Stephen will clear up all misconceptions next week that I mess up today, okay? Uh, And so, whatever I mess up, just go to him and say I didn't understand what that guy meant, and he'll take care of it. But we've all been told that if you want God to do something, you have to have faith, right? You've been told you know if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, "Be removed and be cast in the sea." If you don't doubt in your heart, it will happen. And yet, I want to give you a hypothesis this morning out of this passage that says there are moments in your life where you don't have any faith and God still shows up on your behalf. See, there are moments, and and here's, here's the understanding here. There are moments in your life and in my life where we are without faith. There are those times, and, and, and we have to, we, we need to lay down our plastic Christianity sometimes that, you know, when people say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm wonderful. Jesus is great. There are, there are moments that I'm not wonderful. Pastor Stephen and Jennifer can answer for that. There are moments that I have not, not been wondering. There are moments that, that I, I, I don't have it all together. You guys are giving me some looks this morning. I don't have it all together. I don't know. And, and there are moments that I don't have a whole lot of faith. And yet what I have found is is that in those moments where you don't even have faith, God is able to put you into the right circumstances so that you can be around somebody who has faith. And even in that moment where the the prophet is saying to her, you're going to have a baby, she's going, no, I'm not. I don't, this is, because here's the deal. For years and years, I guarantee you, she had desired to have a child. She had wanted one. In fact, in her circumstances in that day, if you did not have a child, it was a sign of a curse that was upon your life. So she has desired this for years. But the Bible says she and her husband, and especially her husband, is old. So at this moment, she has taken that hurt. She has taken that desire. She has taken what she has wanted all of these years, and she's wrapped it up like we all do, and she shoved it way down inside of her somewhere, and she's covered it up. See, because we all do that. Every one of us have dreams, we have ambitions, we have desires, we have things that we want to happen, and maybe they didn't come to pass in the right moment, or maybe things changed, or things didn't take place. And so what we do, we can't live in the hurt of the moment, so we just cover it up, and anytime that somebody brings it up, or a situation comes up, our initial reaction is just like hers. Don't mess with me. Leave that part of my life alone. And yet the scripture says that the man of God says, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to bring a miracle into your life. And, and, and so it's interesting that this happens. The Bible clearly says that in this moment, this is what takes place. And I wish we could stop the story there and all go, man, isn't it great to serve God and Jesus shows up on our behalf and things are always wonderful, but if you've never read the rest of this story, can I spend a few minutes with you and, and work this story just a little bit so that you can see how God operates in our life? So look in verse 18. The child grew, and one day he went out with his father, who was with the reapers. He was out on the farm. And he said to his father, my head, my head, his father told a servant, his father is a typical dad. Do you see the rest of that, that scripture? What does his dad say? Take him to mom. Come on. Every good dad, when they don't know what to do with their kids, they go, take it to mom. Mom can handle this. And so that's what he, in fact, he doesn't even go. He just says, one of the servants, take him to his mom. And, And so that's what happens there. And after the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon. And then he, see that next word? Died. Are you kidding me? God showed up in the middle of I was not asking him for anything. I didn't want a baby. I didn't want a son. I had dealt with that part of my life and I had buried it. And God shows up and God says, I'm going to give you this. And now here it is, 10 years, whatever years it had been down the road, and now this thing that God gave me has died. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had those moments in my life. I'll tell you a little bit about me. My father was a missionary, and when I was 13 years old, we had been back in the States for a few years, and my dad came in one day and said, we're going back to Africa. I didn't want to go to Africa. I had been to Africa. My wife loves missions. I've done my missions. I don't care to go. She go. She's getting ready to go this next week to Brazil. She's going to Africa a little bit later. She's going to the Philippines a little bit later. She says, you want to go? I say, no. <laughs> I have been. I've been to every one of them. I'll send you. We'll send millions of dollars. But I don't need to go okay but but here's the deal so at 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 13 years of age we moved to Kenya at 14 a little bit less than a year later my dad is killed in a car accident going to preach and it was in that moment that I said if this is who God is anybody if this is what God does God calls you and then lets you die I don't want anything to do with God And I spent years not wanting anything to do with God because in my understanding in that moment, a good God wouldn't let something like that happen in my life because my dad said God called him to Africa. And if God calls you, I don't know if anybody else, I didn't talk about this first service, but there's a reason. I don't know what it is that you feel like God has called you to But even in the moments when the call of God has shown up, sometimes it doesn't turn out the way that you want it to. But here's what I want to do. I want to work a little bit more of this story because I want to show you that you can have a turnaround. All right? So let's look at it. Look look in verse uh, number 21. Verse 21, here's, here's what she does. It says, she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and then shut the door and went out. So here's the first thing you do if you're taking notes. The first thing that you do is you make your way back to where the miracle started. Did you hear me? You make it. What did she do? She said, I was standing in that room, and the man of God said, this is what's going to happen, and the miracle started in that room, and I'm going to make my way back to the place that the miracle started. I'm not talking necessarily physically. Maybe you need to go physically, but I'm talking about what was it you were doing in that moment where God showed up and he resurrected something, or he brought something back to your life, or he performed a miracle for you, or a dream came alive, for you. Where were you in that moment that God did that? Because when that thing dies... You've got to find a way to get back. Maybe it was a time of prayer and fasting at the first of the year at one point in your life, and God spoke to you, and God did something. Maybe you're going to have to go back to that moment to see what it is that God wants to do. See, here's the deal. If you want what you had, you have to go back to where you got it. Wherever it is, spiritually, uh, emotionally, financially, whatever it is that I had, I've got to go back to that moment and see what it is that God can do for me in this moment of my life. And and so, what is it? Maybe, here's, here's what I know. Here's what we do with things that were once precious to us. Ever ever bought anything in your house and when you first got it, it was the greatest thing, and you set it out front, and they had everybody, you showed it to everybody. But a few years down the road, the kids had knocked it over four or five times. It's cracked, it's broken. And what do you do? You don't want to throw it away, right? And, and let me just help you, as you get older, you need to throw things away. Because somebody's got to, to come in your house and clean it all out, all right? Uh, but, but you, you don't want to throw So what you do is, is that you take it and you wrap it up in something and you put it on a shelf and every so often you go by and you dust it. And, and what happens, uh, in a lot of situations, what happens to a lot of us is that, that dream, that idea, that thought that we've had, that God did something for us or something transpired for us. What we've done is, is that we've just set it aside. And what my assignment is today is to help you to take it back off the shelf and to say, God, turn it around. Turn this situation around. Turn this thing. That that dream that I had that you were going to do something spectacular on my behalf today, turn it around. Bring it back to my life. But the first thing you got to do is you got to go back to that place that it began. The second thing is found in verse 22. Here's what it says. Um, it says, she called her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. And, and then it's, it's interesting. I'll, I'll read this next verse to you. It says, her husband says, well, why go to him today? It's not the new moon. It's not the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. So the second thing you've got to do is that you've got to make a decision. All right? Um, You've got to decide. Here's what I know. Your your decision in this moment, when you are facing that thing that you don't understand, um, if you're not careful, you will give up in that moment. All right? Anytime you face an obstacle, anytime something happens in your world that seemingly is not what you wanted, If you're not careful, even as a Christian, even as one who says, oh, yes, I believe God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think, even in that moment, you'll have a tendency to start backing up. Because it's easier to move away from something when, when it has died than it is to stay there. All right? None of us want to be around that. And so what we have to do is that we have to make a decision. And that decision in her mind was, I've got to get to the man of God. I've got to get to that person uh, who spoke into my life and spoke into my world. I've got to get to him because I know that if I can get to him, something is going to happen. Now, let me say this and we'll move on. If you give up, you will miss out on another miracle. Because God is never wanting to leave you in a mess. But our problem is is that we, we don't make the right decisions. We make a decision that says, I'm never going to be hurt again. Come on, right? Listen, let, let, me, let me just tell you from a pastoral perspective. From, from a pastoral perspective, I've learned through the years that the people you love the most, the people you pour into the most, the people you give to the most, are the people who at some point, not all of them, but some of them, give you, not heaven, but the other place. And you wonder, these are the people that I love. These are the people that I care about. These are the, why, why, and, and here's what, if you're not careful, what you'll do is, I'll never get close to anybody again. I'm never going, and, and so we, we begin to, we begin to build walls. And what happens is, is the more walls that I build, the more i keep god out as well as i keep everybody else out and so i have to make a decision and say i'm going to go back to god i'm going to go back to those things of god and what he did in my life and how he used me looking at the next verse there and here's what it says she, her husband asking verse 23 why are you going and in the scripture verse 24 says she saddled the donkey and said to her servant lead on don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So here's the third thing. Not only do I need to make a decision, I need to make a move. You said I thought they were the same thing. No. You and I, if you've been living very long, you have acquaintances and friends in your life who have been going to do something. Right? Come on, it just came to your mind who they were. Every time I talk to them, they're going to start a business or they're going to go to New York or they're going to do this or they're going. But, you know, 10 years later, you can see them and guess what they're talking about. All right. They've made a decision, but they've never made a move. So it's not enough to make a decision I've got to make a move. In fact, my decision determines my move. And if I don't move, then my decision dies in this moment of my life and I never get into the next thing. And so she says, I'm 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 go-. In fact, she says to the guy, "Get on the donkey and let's go and you don't stop for anything." Right? We are going to the man of God. So there, there needs to be some, some things that happen inside of us that say, I am not going to stay where I am in this death situation. Right? This thing that has died, I'm not going to hang out with it. Why would I continue? Why would, I have people all the time say, a Pastor, and again, I've been pastoring for a long time, since 19... 84, that's a long time. I used to think people as old as me just ought to sit down somewhere, but now I'm as old as me, and I don't want to sit down yet. Uh, but but uh, I, I meet people all the time, and they, and they say, you know, I, 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 could, I'm, I, I'm, I hate my job. And I say, well, what do you want to do? Well, I, I'd, I'd like to do this. And they say, and I say, well, what does it take to do that? Well, I'd, I'd have to go to college, and it'd take like five years. And, and I say, well, why don't you go to college? Well, I'm 45. I go, okay, you're 45. In five years, if you don't go to college, how old are you going to be? You're going to be 50 either way. (laughs) Right? In five years, I'm going to be 50. Okay, but in five years, I can be 50 with an education. I'm not just going to talk about, I'm not going to talk about this dead situation. I'm going to make a move to get into a life situation. I'm, going, I'm not going to always look at my marriage as a dead situation. I'm going to move my marriage, and I'm not telling anybody to get divorced. That's not what I'm saying. I'm going to move my because people are I'm out of this one. i waited for a preacher to tell me I'm out today. That's not what I'm saying, all right? Do not misquote me, okay? What I'm saying is I'm not going to stay in this place where my marriage is dead. I'm going to move my marriage into a place of life where the abundance of God can come in and that my family can be blessed and that I can have everything that I need. But I've got to make a move. I can't. Listen, what they, they say, Einstein. You know that one of three people says everything. Einstein, Mark Twain, or Jesus said it all that's who always gets quoted supposedly Einstein says that the 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 whole definition of insanity is to continue doing the same thing and expecting a different result I don't know if he said it or not but he's been quoted as saying it so I will say to you today if you want things to be different you gotta make a move here's a thought next Sunday don't sit on this side there might be more of Jesus on this side I don't know He might not be right there. He might be over here next week. So just just make a move. Let me give you the fourth one. Look at verse 25. Here's what it says. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant, Gehazi, look, there's a Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. It's interesting to me. Do you realize that this woman did not even tell her husband that her son was dead? Her husband said, why are you going to the man of God? King James Version says it this way. It says, she replied, it is well. I like that. It is well. Because sometimes in your life, it looks dead. But you have the opportunity to either talk about the death or to declare what God can do. So, see, here, here's the fourth thing. Your declaration determines your destination. She doesn't say everything is wonderful. She just says it is well. Listen, when, I, I've, I've been around a lot of churches and a lot of times... If, if you could go and experience it, I've probably gone and experienced it. And, I, and I've been in, around churches, and they say, you should never say you're sick. And I go, but I'm sick. They say, well, don't say you're sick. Say you're well. And I say, I'm not well. See, I'm a big baby when I'm sick. Ask Sherry. Sherry. Sherry can be sick for days, and, and, and I don't even know it. And I, I mean, I get a toothache, and I'm, you know, I want to go to the ER. I want them to cut my head off. I mean, I, I call Swift, get an ambulance over here, get me there now. I mean, it, it's just like, I, I don't like, we were in Brazil about two years ago, and I kept telling Sherry, I'm sick. She said, you're not sick. I said, I'm, I'm sick. I was running a fever. I was preaching to her, and I was delirious. She said, I told this woman that she was going to have a baby. I said, I don't even remember saying that to her. She did have a baby, by the way, but uh, I was delirious. I was out of my mind. I had the flu, and she was telling me I wasn't sick. I was sick. Okay, now here's what I'm saying. I'm not going to tell you I'm not sick if I'm sick, but I can tell you it as well. Why? Because I know in whom I have believed and I know that he is able to keep that which I have committed against that day. See, my declaration determines my destination. If I spend all of my time talking about the recession and talking about inflation and talking... Listen, I've been pastoring for 40-plus years. I've been through some recessions. I remember the Jimmy Carter recession, people. I've, I've been through all kind of things, okay? And and, and I can tell you, here, here's what... A few years ago, we in, in Jackson, we, we built our last building. It was about a $4 million building. We built our last building, and we started the building process in 2007. Do y'all know what happened in 2007? the whole economy went right off the cliff. I preached a whole series of sermons on. I just found them uh, this week. In fact, I, found a whole, I preached a whole series of sermons on we will not participate in the recession. We're just not going to do it. We're not, we're not doing it. We're not playing that game. I'm not going to sell out and give in to that. And, and, and you say, well, why are you saying that to us? Because we have spent our time repeating all the negativism of the news media that we don't realize what God's saying. Yeah. Right? At the first of every year, we do a 21 days of prayer and fasting with all our churches and stuff. And, and uh, one of the things that I always fast is media. I will not watch news. I'll, it is so refreshing to go for 21 days and not know who's doing what. Yeah. You, you even start hearing from Jesus again. Instead of CNN or Fox or whoever, Jesus starts speaking to you. It's kind of nice. Uh, but, but what you have to understand is, is the Bible says there's power of life and death in the tongue. And when you speak, and we all know this, you, you have walked into the house and you have known before anybody said anything that there was trouble in the house. Because there had been some words that had been said before you ever walked in. And you just walked in and went, hmm, I wish I'd stayed at work another hour. This is not the moment to walk. Why? Because there's power, the Bible says, of life and death in the tongue. And I'm not hyper on that, but I do believe that we have to be conscious of what we're saying. And this woman never, ever says to anybody until she gets to the place where the miracle started. And then she starts pouring it out. So be careful what your words are because they determine... Your destination. Here's, here's what I'd say to you. Get a word from God and live that word out. Because if you know what that word is, I, I, I've, I don't know, maybe in my whole life and whole pastoring, I might have heard some type of an audible voice from God once in my life, one time, maybe. Not even sure about that one. But I have heard God speak on occasions in here. And I have known that I know. I can tell you two occasions that I know God spoke to me without a doubt. One of them is when I went to Adamsville as a pastor. I was a 25-year-old kid. I mean a kid. And I went to a church that had been in the same building over 50 years. They had two board members, and one of them had been on the board for 33 years when I got there. Did y'all hear me say I was 25? But I can tell you, I was on the phone talking to somebody about the church, and I heard in my spirit, God say, if you'll go, I'll give you revival. I lived off of that word for years because I knew I had heard from God. A few years later, 18 years later, actually, I'm in Chicago, Illinois. It's midnight, and God gives me a word about the church in Jackson. I wrote it down that has sustained me for 20 plus years because I keep going back to the word that I got. What is the, see, what happened is, is that God gave you, God gave her a word. That word was you're going to have a child. She's going back to that place, to that person who gave her the word and say, okay, what are you going to do now? Where are we in this moment? I, I, I got to wrap this up. Look, look in verse um, 27, 28, or just wherever you want to look, I don't care. <laughs> you can look in the Reader's Digest or, the, you know, the paper. It'll be all right. <laughs> all right? <laughs> when she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet, and Gehazi came over to push her away. I love staff members that are aggressive. <laughs> but... There have been times that I wanted somebody to come push somebody away. And they're never around when I want them. But I shouldn't tell you all my secrets on my first time here. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me. Now, think about that. He's the one who's spoken it, but God now has not revealed it. That's interesting to me. I don't have time to spend on that. But from me, and has not told me why. And then verse 28, she just puts it out there. And and, and she's not, I don't think it's like, did I not? No, I think she's ticked. Come on, my baby is dead. And, here's, and I think it's a plaintive cry. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? She said, didn't I tell you, don't raise my hope? Here's the, the fifth thing you got to do. You have to make an appeal for what you want. See, we have a tendency to say, well, God knows what I need. Well, if you're going to come from that perspective, why do you ever pray? Why would you ever, and he does, but why do you ever ask God for anything? There must be a reason that the word of God tells us that we're to pray. And there there must be, there's a New Testament story of a guy named blind Bartimaeus with Jesus that I think portrays this so well. The, The scripture says that Jesus is in a crowd and he's walking by and blind Bartimaeus hears that Jesus is passing by. And he begins to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody's telling him, Bartimaeus, be quiet, don't do this. And, and the scripture says, and he cried more the louder until Jesus finally stops and says, bring him to me. Now, I'm not trying to be rude or inconsiderate or whatever I usually am. I, I'm, I'm just trying to show you something. If a blind man is coming up to you, when Stevie Wonder comes on the stage, we all know Stevie's blind. Cause Do you all know who Stevie Wonder is? Stephen says my all my references are from the '70s, so he gives me grief about that, and they are. That's when I grew up. You know, I know the Eagles and the Doobie Brothers, and that's who I know. I don't, I go, I go up to Prince. I can't go much further than Prince, okay, uh, and and on, only a little bit of that, okay. So help me, Jesus. All right, but but everybody, I mean, I mean, every, I, I think I think everybody figures out this guy's blind, all right. So they lead him up to Jesus. And listen to what Jesus says to him. What do you want? I think Peter goes under his breath, of course. What do you mean what do you want? He's blind. I think Thomas goes, I don't think anything's going to happen anyway. I think it's all kind of dialogue in the background. And I think most of us would have left blind. Because I think most of us would say, Lord, I want you to bless me. And Jesus would say, be blessed. See, there's, there's somewhere between eight to 12,000 promises in the Word of God. Let's say half of those are for the Jewish nation, the Old Testament, whatever. That still leaves four to 6,000 promises. Jesus wants to know, what do you want? If, if, you, if you have a need today in your life, he wants to know, what do you want? And she makes an, it, Did I, I didn't ask for this. But you brought it. Now, what are you going to do about it? And the scripture says that he says to his um, Gehazi, in fact, verse 29, Elisha says, Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand. Run. Don't greet anyone you meet. If anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But here's what I want you to get. But the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Here's the last thing. Be tenacious. Be tenacious. What is it you prayed about five years ago, but you don't pray about anymore? What is it you believed God was going to do six months ago, but you haven't thought about it recently? What is it that because it didn't happen in an instant microwavable society where if I can't get my TV to download the next station in .2 seconds, I'm frustrated. Come on, come on. Every man in here, you know when you're flipping channels, you want it to download this way, not this way. That's too long. And so we do that with the things of God. And what she does is, is that she says, I'm not leaving you. You're going with me. It's interesting that the, Gehazi takes the man of God's staff, he lays it on the boy, and nothing happens. And I have to say this there are some times you can't depend on your staff. <laughs> Sorry. You have to go do it yourself. And so Elisha gets there, and um, the Bible says he goes up and he stretches himself across the boy. And the Bible says that the body warms up. It's interesting. Sometimes scripture gives you details, you go, okay, but he's still dead. Well, goes down in the house, walks around a little bit, comes back up again, and the Bible says this time he sneezes seven times and comes alive, and he says to the mother, come and see what God's turned around. Now, stand up with me, and the worship team's going to come because they're going to sing that song for us again about turn it around because I want us to leave today with a declaration of hope. But here's what's fun about this story is if you follow this story just for a couple of chapters, what you'll see is that Elisha goes to her and says, there's going to be a seven-year famine. Leave the land. And she does. But because she left the land, she lost all of her house. She lost all of the farmland. She lost everything she had. And the Word of God says in about about three chapters ahead, it says that one day the king called in Gehazi the servant and said, I want to hear some of the miracles of Elisha. And the the Bible says that he starts telling about this woman. And as he's telling about how God restored this son, he looks up into the palace throne room, and this woman is walking in to appeal for her house. And Gehazi says to the king, that's the woman. And listen to what the king says. The king says, not only are you going to get your house back, But everything that was made off of the land the last seven years is going to be restored back to you because God says, I'm even going to turn that around on your behalf. So I don't know what it is you need. Some of you today may just need Jesus to come into your life. Some of you today need a turnaround. Some of you need that thing which you kind of placed away to come back today and say, you know what? I'm believing God for a miracle. And so I want to pray, and then the band's going to lead us in this song, and then Pastor Stephen's going to dismiss us. If you need Jesus today, all you got to do is ask him to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life, to change you today. It's called repentance. Repentance means being sorry for your sins, turning away from the path you used to be walking on, and turning to God and saying, I'll make you my Lord and my Savior today. But for the majority of us, we've done that. And what we need to do today is say, Lord, turn it around. Turn this situation around for me today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this great congregation. I thank you for what's happening in the Avenue Church here in Murfreesboro and what you're going to do in the days ahead. But Lord, we just speak right now in this moment. We speak for those who need to come to you to find you a savior today. We just ask you, forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us, purify us today. Lord, we confess our sin to you and we ask for forgiveness. And God, your word says if we'll confess our sin, you're just and faithful to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then, Lord, I pray for those who need to turn around today. That dream, that miracle, that marriage, those kids, that business, that ministry, whatever it is that feels like it's died in this moment, let faith arise and let your Holy Spirit touch them in the name of Jesus.